Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're going to take a look at the sovereignty of God. How does that work into our life? Some people say God has total control of our life. Other people say there's no control in our life. It's totally up to us. We're going to find that great combination in the middle today and find out there are times when you think you know what you're doing. Thank God God knows more. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Get your Bibles out, get your notepad out. We're getting ready to go to the Word of God. You can start out by turning to Psalm 31. We're going to take a look at verses 13 through 15. And today we're going to talk about my times. The reason why I'm saying that is because there's three different views of God's control of our life, and it seemed like one of them has just got way out of control today, and that is the teaching on the sovereignty of God. Believe me, God is sovereign in certain cases, but even that is his sovereignty. He has chosen to limit himself in certain areas of our life and allow us to make decisions and basically suffer the consequences of it, but if we go way out too far, he will come in and correct things. So that's the beauty of it but the sovereignty of God also works together with the free will of man in certain cases. There are certain things that God has total control over. I love what uh, Paul's sermon was when he was preaching and uh, in Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 18, preaching a sermon, but in that sermon, he made the statement that God is the one who has chosen, predetermined the times and the boundaries of our habitation. So he's simply saying there, God had absolute sovereignty over your birth because you couldn't have had any say so in it. Think about this, where you were born, when you were born, what country you were born in, what what nation, what state, what city, what side of the city, what socioeconomic background, your parents, your fingerprints. I mean, everything about you, your color, your gender. Why in the world do we complain that you're superior to me or I'm superior to you because of our color when you had no control over it? It was totally chosen by God. And I know there's times even in your own life, you wish you had your parents down the street. You know, your friends had their, you bet your friend's parents said, well, I wish I could change families with you. You can't. You understand God chose even the parents you had, chose the body you would be placed into, the time period that you would be born into. So again, it comes back to it. God does have sovereignty, but the Bible says when God has sovereignty, the Bible declares he's sovereign in that case. First Corinthians chapter 12, you have no choice as to which spiritual gifts you operate in because they are given to you as the spirit wills. When it comes to your place in the body of Christ, what office you have, it says God has placed us in the body as it has pleased him. It comes back to it. There's certain things that you had no choice over because you know what, as smart as you are in some areas of your life, think about this. Don't get overwhelmed. God is smarter than you are. He knows better where you'll fit, which gifts will operate in you. He even knows your personality better than you do. But in the rest of the time, there's things he does not control. Okay. He didn't control whether you can get saved or not. He knows if you are, but that's your choice. And God did everything through his sovereignty to get Jesus to the cross, get salvation set for you, and then present it to you. But he stops right there. He will not force you to receive it. 
So the only sin Jesus didn't die for is rejection of himself because God left that with you. You judge that in your life. So again, we come back to this again, is God only controls the time of our salvation and death. And this is what people teach. Let's go through the three views. Number one is this. Number one is God only controls the time of our salvation and our death. Otherwise, we are left on our own with every situation. God is absent for us and the world. In the meantime, what it simply says is the time that you were saved and the time that you die, I guess you could throw the time of your birth in there. Otherwise, God just sits back and does nothing. He just, you know, goofs around in heaven and arranges these certain things, but the rest of the time we're totally left on our own. That is not correct according to the word of God, but that's one viewpoint. Viewpoint number two is this, God controls every aspect of our life. He's sovereign in every single circumstance. And although again, the word declares when God has uh, sovereignty, there are certain things we have sovereignty over. Again, the choosing for salvation, the choosing to be filled with the Spirit, and many other things that happen in our life, uh, we come back to it again, that in that case, we have choice. So again, this thing about God controls every aspect of our life. I mean, I even heard a joke one time about a pastor who was heavy into the sovereignty of God, stood on the porch of the church saying goodbye to every people, everybody after the church service was over. And uh, anyway, he walked out there and he was shaking hands with people. He stepped backwards just a little bit and stepped on one of the stairs, rolled down the stairs into the sidewalk, stood up, dusted himself off and said, thank God that's over. In other words, like God has control over every single thing of your life, even falling down. So again, we have that aspect. There's people on that extreme, but it kind of falls in the middle of that thing. And that's what the word of God teaches. Point number three is this. God controls certain circumstances in our life. We control all others. God controls certain circumstances in the world and man controls other things. Man's will mixes with God's will. This view is in line more with scripture than the other two. And we find this out from the word of God. I ask you to turn to Psalm 31. So let's take a look at verse 13 through 15. And here David is speaking. He says, I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they plotted to take away my life, but I trusted in you, O Lord. I said, you are my God. My times are in your hands. The word here for times is ayeth. Ayeth means the events of life. He says the events of life in, are in your hand. So certain events are there. Just the daily living of life, that's not. But when events come along, he said, those are in your hands. What was the event here? People were plotting to take away his life, to destroy him. And this happened a number of times in David's life. He goes on to say at the end of verse 15, deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. He simply says, Lord, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're planning. I do know they're planning on killing me, but I don't know what all their plans are. But you know what, God, I can't be in those secret chambers where they're meeting in some back bedroom somewhere discussing what they're going to do with me. But you are, you're there. They can't hide from you. You know what they're plotting and planning. And Lord, I've got a life to live. I've got a kingdom to run here. I believe this one completely in your hands. There's a story in the Old Testament where Balaam went to uh, destroy the people of Israel, to curse against them. In fact, King Balak hired him. And King, King Balak had this idea, since God delivered them through the Red Sea and God's delivered them all the way through there and they're coming to my land, then apparently they're gonna just take over my land. And he, didn't, he never even offered any help to them, never tried to form an alliance with them. King Balak just immediately set himself against them. And he figured the best way to destroy them is get one of their own prophets and pull him out and have him destroy the people because I've seen their prophets. Their prophets are greater than my prophets. 
And if we can get one that will curse them, that's what I'm looking for. So he found Balaam. Balaam happened to be a carnal believer. Carnal, I'm saying by carnal here, he was not uh, He was not an unbeliever. He was a believer, but he was carnal at the time. And when presented with this and offered enough money, he said, okay, I'll try it. So he went up to the top of a mountain, opened up his mouth and nothing came out but blessing. Here was the sovereignty of God. God had blessed that nation. And when he opened up and tried to curse them, which a prophet had power to do so, God said no and put a stop to it. And the moment he opened up his mouth, all that came out was blessing, blessing, blessing. And you know what? Balaam knew that. I mean, he knew what God had said. He was actually trying to overthrow God at that moment, overstep God. And so he came back and told King Balak what happened. So King Balak offered him more money. So this time he went to a different mountain, like maybe God can't see me on this mountain over here. So he went up and looked down on the people and cursed them and, pardon me, he tried to curse them. And all that came out was blessing, blessing, blessing. He went back and told King Balak, he said, it's not working. And finally this time he offered him so much money. And so this time he determined, I'm gonna go up there, I'm determined, I'm gonna open my mouth and I'm gonna make that curse come out. And he went up the top of this mountain and this time when he opened up his mouth again, all that came out was blessing. And this time he just released himself and let the blessings flow. And out of his mouth is some of the greatest prophecies of what Israel will have in the future, all the way to to the coming millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Incredible things came out of his mouth. Again, what we have was the hand of God. He will not allow his people to be cursed. He will not allow the church to be cursed. We have setbacks, we have trials. So does God's plan. There seems like there's setbacks over here, but God always comes back and fixes these things. Why? Because my times are in your hands. In other words, there are certain circumstances, and ayeth means here certain events of life, not every event of life. You know, if I get up and when I eat breakfast, I mean, I don't think God is sitting there making me a breakfast uh, 10 minutes later this morning than I did yesterday. Those are things that are in my hands. But the events that come that are controlling and want to control my life one way or another for evil or for good, God says, I'm going to be in control of that. Especially here where Uh, David turned the control of those things over to God in this particular Psalm, Psalm 31. So again, the Hebrew word for times is ayeth. It means the events of life. It means specific or certain events or certain circumstances of our life. The specific events of our lives have been in God's hands up until now, and the rest of our times are going to be in his hands too, but there's certain ones in between we have control over. In other words, God's there's certain ones God just comes in and grabs and says, this is mine, this is mine, and especially when people are plotting in secret. That whole story I told you there about Balaam up on that mountain, Israel never knew it happened. No one knew it happened. And it only was recorded in the word of God because God gave Moses the story and Moses told it and wrote it in the word of God, wrote it in the first five books of the Bible and talked about it there in the time when he talked about, again, Balaam trying to curse the nation. But you know what? That'll happen. I think when I get to heaven, I'm gonna find out many things that happened on the side of things that I had no idea of and God just stepped in and took care of it for me. Traps that Satan laid for my life and Satan got caught in those traps himself. Certain governments, certain leaders, certain bosses. I'll tell you a story about this as soon as halftime comes and is over. I'll uh, resume on the other side. 
But it comes back to, again, I can tell you, as David said, there were certain times in my life when God was totally in control. My time, certain time and events are in his hands. The rest of it is up to me. But God takes those important events that can alter and change my life and steps in at the right time. I'm so glad for it because why? My times are in his hands. My specific events of life have been in God's hands in certain ones, but the rest of them have been under my own control. So you know what we're gonna take when we come back to is Romans 8, 28. God can take the best and the worst of things that happened in my life and things that I have goofed up and messed up and yet things that God has seen that were wonderful, wrap them all together. And out of Romans 28, he can cause all things to work together for my good. Simply wanna say to you too here before break comes, half time comes, I simply wanna say this to you. If you're not a partner with me, would you be a partner with me? Join together and say, Pastor Bob, I wanna be a partner to help get the word of God out, to help get the word of God out. I know so many things are being taught today on end times and prophecies and things like that. Those are specific things those ministers are called to. I am a pastor. I love to take all of the word of God and make it down so simple you can't miss it. And that's what we're doing here to try to take these words that people talk about like sovereignty to where immediately we go into this thing. Well, I don't have any control of my life. I love to take it and show you what the word of God has to say, that there are certain things you do have control over. You have a free will and God gave it to you for a specific reason. But there's also things beyond your will where God comes in and says, let me help in this one. Let me take control of this one. And when he does, it always turns around and works together for my good. And so if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to my website, Bob Yandian. You'll find a place there on my face page where you can become a partner with me. I'm looking forward to you joining with me. See you right after the break. Christians often ask, how can I know the voice of the Lord? Or how do I get his guidance? Pastor Bob Yandian's series, Guidance, will help set you on the right path to hearing from God and knowing what comes from him and what doesn't. We often make the mistake of wanting God to lead us by wonders and outward signs, when the vast majority of His guidance actually comes through the Word of God and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We must come to understand that we do not have the ability to guide ourselves, just as we do not have the ability to save ourselves or heal ourselves. Guidance explores the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit and examines in detail the two ways God leads His children. To order the Guidance series, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Just before Lorette and I got married, I lost a job. And so we, I told her, I said, honey, I don't want to get married to you without a job. I think we need that because, I mean, we're already tight and everything. So oh, I prayed. She prayed with me for God to open up a great job for me. And I was in a, gro- I was in a store one day buying something. A little boy came running up to his mother right in front of me. She was in the line with her cart right in front of me. This wasn't a grocery store. It's kind of a, kind of a, you know, a Walmart type store. Anyway, he came running up, told his mother, he says, mom, they have Hardy Boy books here. And she said, honey, I bought enough of those for you. She said, no, but I re- they have a whole bunch of them. She said, honey, I'll get you some some other time. And I looked at it and said, does he like Hardy Boy books? She said, oh, my goodness. She said he reads all of them. I said, well, I've got all of them. I mean, from the very beginning. I started when I was young, and I said, I have no need for them. Would he like to have them? The kid went nuts. I mean, all the way back to the original Applegate, when the very first one that came out. And so anyway, they came over to my house to pick it up. And the mothers, we were putting the boxes and boxes in the car of these books. She said, do you need a job? (laughs) I thought, is this God or not? Isn't it wonderful how God could arrange things and you don't even know about it? He's working behind the scenes. She said, do you need a job? And I said, yeah. So I realized something, my meeting her at the store, the boy, the Hardy Boy books and all these things were just something that opened up a door. She said, do you know anything about stereo equipment? I said, well, I love it. I said, it's one of my hobbies. She said, my husband is opening up a store here in Tulsa and needs a salesperson. Would you take it? I knew that was God's will. I said, yes, I'll take it. Within a matter of months, I became the top selling salesperson. I knew stereo equipment. I just had a way of approaching people and things worked out so good. And after about six months, I became the manager of the store. And I mean, this guy that was the manager was, you know, he got out of there and he went back up to Kansas City where our offices were. And I ran that store. We did well. We were the number two store for number of, of all the country for a while. And for just a moment, we were the number one store. But we were just doing so well. And one day, uh, I walked into the store and the managers from Kansas City were there, the owners of the company. I said, yes. They said, we're, 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 we're firing you. I said, why? They said, we can't get into it, but we're firing you. And I said, well, I don't understand. They said, well, we're, we're doing it. And they said, the only other job, what you have is a choice. You can, you can, we're going to fire you or else you'll take a job back as a salesman. You're no longer the manager of the store. And so I chose to be a salesman in the store while I looked for another job and God opened up another job for me. I never understood for some time what went on there. But when later on, I ended up going to work at Kenneth Hagen Ministries. I took my knowledge of electronics and took there and I became the head of the uh, audio department. And I ran that particular, but I was there for just about th- uh, probably a month, and I was making half what I'd made it by the job, but I knew I was in the right place. Just knew inside of me I was in the right place. God opened up this door, and I knew he'd take care of us financially. But I got a call from that company. I mean, this is a year later, almost a year later, because I'd worked at another store for a year, and I came to work here, and they called me, and they said, uh, we just want you to we want you to know this. You were the best manager we ever had. We've never been able to get that store back up to what it was, and we would like for you to come back, and we will double your salary. I said, I mean, my lightning flash brain, you know, I thought, well, goodness, that's double what I'm making here. In fact, no, that's quadruple what I'm making here because I'm making half what I made before. So anyway, there was that temptation. I said, no, sir, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I said, can I ask you why you fired me? And they said, yeah, the manager there before didn't like you because you're a Christian. And he's not a Christian. He didn't like that. And they said, so he came back and he told lies about you. And we believed him. 
And so we fired you because of it. And then later on, we found out he was lying all the time. And we're sorry for that, but we'd like to have you come back. I said, no, sir. I said, listen, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, but thank you. Can you see something? All this was going on behind the scenes. I didn't know it, but you know what? I couldn't have controlled it. I had no idea what was going on, but God took care of it. There was the sovereignty of God. Romans 8, 28. I hope you, I hope you found it, but if you have it, turn there right now. It says, and we know. Notice this, what it says, we know. Here's something we do know. I can't control everything, but there's certain things God does control. And when things get out of my control, I've got a God that control it all the way out there. So it really doesn't matter whether I know what I'm doing or don't know what I'm doing, God will help me. And we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says it works together for my good. God can take the good circumstances of my life, the bad circumstances of my life, times when there was blessings, times when people came against me, times when demons came against me, and all these things, and God can work them all together for what? For good. God can work all these things together for good to those who love God. If you love God, God's at work for you right now, taking the good circumstances, the bad circumstances. He's out to take the very stones that Satan threw at you, and they become stepping stones instead of something that's going to destroy you. It says, to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28 is simply telling you that in your life, all things can work together for good. And some of the things are my mistakes. Some of the things are th things that people did to me where I made no mistake at all. They just decided to try to crush me, but God was in there the whole time to take care of it. This will even work for the whole world because the coming tribulation will be seven years of Satan out to destroy the world system and put his own system in there and control the entire world, stop Israel from becoming the central focal point of God's plan, destroy the Jews, set up the Roman empire, run that empire all over the whole world. This is what his plans are, but you know what? God's not gonna let it happen. You read the end of the book of Revelation, you read the end of some of the other books of the word of God and Jesus Christ is gonna come back and straighten out the whole mess. So this verse tells me, Romans 8, 28, the same thing that we are told back there in the book of Psalms. My times are in God's hands. And I want you to notice something about that back there in the book of Psalms. It says, my times are in your hands, not our times are in your hands. There's times when my time is in his hand, but someone else is not that moment. Some other believer, something, they're living their life out before the Lord. And there's no particular reason and for God to intervene on a circumstance happening at that time. And so, but there's, my times are in his hands. And again, there's specific times, not every single time, but certain specific things in my times are in God's hands. But also he qualifies this, that the one that God really loves to step in for and will protect are those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. There are times when you're in carnality that God will eventually step in to actually preserve your life and stuff. But when you're in carnality, basically your life is in your hands. You're trying to control everything and you're gonna find yourself getting in worse and worse shape all the time. But again, when you love God and you're walking according to his word, he steps in at just the right time every single time and takes control. This is the good thing about what God wants to do. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter three. We love these verses of scripture, quote them quite often. And so it says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through eight, to everything there is a season. I want you to notice here, there are certain seasons of our life 
there, those seasons are made up of individual days, but this verse is saying God's not involved in the everyday things that you do. He's not involved in, again, like I said, when you eat breakfast or what you eat for breakfast or what you have for lunch. Some people think, God, lay, lay it on my heart, Lord, what I'm gonna eat for lunch today. He's basically saying, eat what you wanna eat, you know? And again, Lord, uh, I, I want you to know, if, I want you to wake me up tomorrow and tell me if you really want me to go to work today. He wants you to go to work. Understand that he said in the word of God. So you don't have to have him move everything around in your life and tell you exactly everything to do. Why? Because you're not dumb. In a, if you have the word of God, you can even make your own spiritual decisions. But this verse says to everything, there is a season. There are seasons of our life, not our entire life, but seasons of our life where God gets deeply involved into it. And he says to everything, there is a season. So to everything in my life, there's certain seasons where God steps in and helps take control, where things that are out of my hands, things that I don't know what's going on, even things that I think I do wanna know what's going on, and I really don't know what's going on. I try to make something happen and it doesn't happen. I think, oh, what am I doing wrong? It's basically this, you're not doing anything wrong. You're acting on what knowledge you do have. God knows what's really going on and he's really fixing this thing so that when you come out on the other end, you're gonna go, oh, that's what was happening. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of this situation in my life life. To everything, there is a season and a time. This is the same word, ayeth, that was mentioned back in Psalms. Certain events. There is time seasons, and within that, there's certain events for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born. This is, again, a time of sovereignty. God chose the time you're to be born and a time to die. But this is interesting. We shift back on this time to die. This isn't a specific time to die. The word of God declares there's things we can do to extend our life. There's certain things we can do to shorten our life. But it's not like there's a specific day and God has it stamped in there exactly on that day, you're gonna die. Listen, God may know what day I'm gonna die on, but God didn't just specifically pick it out and put it there. He knows what I'm gonna do. He knows what my obedience is gonna be. He knows what my love is gonna do. My faith and trust in him is gonna do. And even knowing that God has given me health in my life to where I can live a long and prosperous life. And the word of God says, with long life, he'll satisfy you. So again, when it says a time to die here, that doesn't mean a very specific day you're going to die. So again, by doing certain things in life, you can live longer. It goes on to say a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. There comes a planting time, you plant, but you know what, when that comes up, it's not a specific day. There's weather conditions and there's temperatures and things like that, that it can vary this year from what it did last year. So again, it says a time to pluck up what is planted. There's a time to kill. This verse has controversy all wrapped around it because you say, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. No, the word that is used there in the 10 commandments is thou shalt not commit murder. But this verse is saying there is a time to kill. Well, what times are there? Three times in the word of God, we're told there's times to kill. Number one is in the case of capital punishment. Number two, in the case of self-defense. Number three, is in the case of going to war. Those are allowed in the word of God, but the rest of the time we are not to kill, all right? And so again, it comes down to it. There is a time to kill specific events, but there's also a time to heal. And there's times whenever people have been tremendously hurt around us, and we can do that without asking God for it. Is this the time to do it? No compassion tells you it's time to do that. We find the integrating in this particular section of scriptures of God's will and your will working together, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, and there is times to hate. We are told to hate. You say, well, the Bible says don't hate. No, it doesn't say that. There's certain times that it is time find times to hate and find to do so. God anointed Jesus when he sat down and said, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. So hating the works of the devil is allowed a time of war and a time of peace. With all these things we've studied from these verses of scripture, I hope you understand that God really trusts you in your daily life to follow his word, to make the right choices. But there's also the times you're not quite sure you're doing it right. God is there to make the difference. You two work together, God and you work together so that all things work together for good. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.